0: Welcome to the Edgecast, Episode 7. I'm recording, this is Len Edgerly, I'm recording this in Cambridge, Massachusetts on uh, May 5th, 2019. What you're going to hear is a recording that I did in the car. Darlene and I are trying to get a lot of things done today, so we just had about 15 minutes of driving to Starbucks and back because she wanted to get some oatmeal and we're going to be heading back to Denver on Tuesday so we're at the period of staying here in Cambridge where we're just uh, finishing up the food that's in the house and there isn't much so she loaded up on some oatmeal and she was a good sport in doing this recording which started out in the garage in the Tesla uh, headed just around the corner to the Starbucks. It's been 18 days since we talked last about Pete and I'm just going to catch up with an episode that sort of talks about that plus my Hick and looper stuff so in the last th- almost three weeks what have been your impressions about how he's doing
1: I think he continues to get better
0: in what ways better
1: I think his speaking is was always good but I mean I think he just seems more relaxed more ah no, I lose. I'm
0: That's because I went backwards in the garage. I meant to go forwards in the Tesla. Sorry. Jeez. Okay. Uh, you were saying.
1: Well, he seems to, uh, he just seems so relaxed. Like you're having a conversation with him, a very intelligent conversation as he's talking to these different reporters. And um, it, it's just so enjoyable to listen to. It gets more and more enjoyable.
0: We hear kind of the same stories over and over. Does that bore you?
1: Well, he adds little details, and he he is changing it up a bit. But I'm always wishing he would add new information. But I understand he's just trying to get this level of information out to a lot of people.
0: What have you noticed in people you've talked to, like Deb, or just people know that we're sort of interested in him. What are you hearing via them about what kind of impact he's making?
1: Most people don't have a clue who he is. I, I mean, I don't have that wide of a swath, but, um, I mean, sometimes they'll say, I saw your your guy Pete on CNN or I don't know, or something, but, uh, I, you know, we're just very interested in this stuff, and so we're watching every little thing he does, but the average person, just going about their day, and if he happens to uh, come into their day in a small way, they might notice or they might not.
0: Since we did the last episode, Biden has joined the race. What do you think of him?
1: He's too old, and he's going to do something inappropriate, not on purpose. I mean, he's not a bad guy. It's just he always says or does something that is typical of an 80-year-old person as opposed to a 37-year-old person.
0: What about Hickenlooper?
1: Well, you're telling me he's getting stronger. I love Hickenlooper, and I love what he accomplished for us in Denver. So, I mean, I'm a fan of Hickenlooper, but um, up until now, he hasn't um, been able to tell the story in a compelling way. And you're saying he's stronger. I hope that's true.
0: Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's just been out there doing 14-hour days for about the last couple of months. And I, w- I was pretty impressed when I heard the interview with John Favreau on Pod Save America, so I'll have a link to that. We're gonna take a break now. You're gonna run in and get some oatmeal here at Starbucks. Thank you. You
1: could just keep talking.
0: <laughs> I could just keep talking. All well, right. You've got a lot of- All right. That's a good idea. I'll just, I'll just keep talking. That's a good idea. Uh, I don't have my notes here, but I've been thinking about what I would say in this episode. Uh, we have been following the way I every day. My practice uh, very often is to just Google BuddhaJedge and. And then look for the videos to see if there's any new uh, material that has shown up. And I'm doing it because I think he's a very interesting candidate. Uh, Of course, we went out there to see his announcement and all that. But I just find it pleasurable. When I see him fielding a question, and even when I have heard the answer in some form very frequently, there's something about his voice, the cadence of his answers. the, The words arrive as if they had been written. And yet it doesn't sound formal or stilted. It, uh, I, I think some of my pleasure in listening to him is is simply his mastery of the language and his ability to speak extemporaneously. Uh, he's had some challenges lately that concern me. And, and uh, it, it's been people who are, I consider them homophobic. They're interrupting rallies. He had a a good uh, retort at a rally in, uh, let's see, it was in Iowa, Des Moines, and he paused, he let the person get led away, and then uh, he said something to the effect of, the good news is that the state of my soul is is uh, a matter for my creator, uh, but the Iowa caucuses are up to you. And, you know, he practiced that, he was ready for it. There was a similar interruption I saw in his appearance at at Dallas, and it's the same people. It's a well-known national organizer against abortion and I guess against gay marriage. And he's just following him around and creating these disruptions. And what bothers me is it's so easy for a single person in an event that hundreds of people can be attending merely by standing up and shouting to stop the uh, presentation, uh, and have be led out in all of this and it just puts you on edge I, I, I think that it's uh, there's a lot of power available to people who are willing to be that aggressive in trying to stop uh, somebody they they really disagree with and and the thing is it's it's kind of ironic and uh, unsettling anybody that tried to do that at a Trump rally would come to uh, that there would be a dangerous thing to do because there would be probably physical uh, reaction much tougher than what these sort of gentle leadings of people out of the judge events. And so there's kind of a protection against that uh, in those settings. The people who go to a judge event, they're not likely to just take the matter into their own hands. And so that makes the interruption uh, much more... Uh, I don't know, there's just more of an opportunity there. I'm sure Buttigieg's campaign will figure out a way to, you know, there'll be a way to find out okay, yeah, we gotta go. I was just talking about, uh, one thing that's bothering me is how easy it is for the homophobic uh, protesters to disrupt Pete's events that happened in Dallas again, and uh, you know, the people that go to those events aren't going to get physical like they would at a Trump rally if you...
1: But why would you want them to?
0: Well, I wouldn't, except that I don't know how they're going to control the the vulnerability of a heat event if every time he talks somewhere one of these 10 people that are tracking him can interrupt his talk for five minutes while they're let out I think it just sets the whole thing on edge it's it's a it's a very unsettling power that they have to uh, I, I don't know I so I
1: disagree because I mean I get that it sets it on the edge, but the, if they know it's going to happen, then they can be ready to handle it. They can have people to escort them out. I think it's a statement of how they are handling situations like this, and each time it's a reminder that it's a reminder of the people that are out there like that, and how un uh, unrealistic. Sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: How um.
0: How extreme they are.
1: Yeah, how extreme they are. I mean, I think it just brings it into our attention, because you and I, that's not a world that we are a part of, and so we don't have any experience with this.
0: Yeah, and and it gives him a chance to, I mean, at the Dallas event, I didn't hear because these are all just... People taking videos from their cameras, but apparently at that event, he said that when I put on the uniform to serve my country in Afghanistan, part of the reason I was going was to to uh, defend people like this uh, having free speech. Nice. And uh, each time that he responds with uh, calmness uh, and, and in a way that different than what Trump would be saying to you know haul them out and if you hurt them I'll pay your defense bills. You're getting a uh, subtle but powerful yes. contrast. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah,
1: I mean it's not certainly you would Here, like to it. certainly you would like to have it not happen, but the fact that it is happening, he can use to his advantage, and I think he is. Yeah. He's showing how calm and respectful he is, and um, he's making it part of his message.
0: So uh, the Hickenlooper thing, I, I you know, I'm glad to see John coming on stronger in the last approximately two months since I've heard him, he's gotten so much better at articulating his story. And that's because he's been out there practicing it, which is what he said that he was gonna do. He, I, I heard him early on say, look, I, I have experience I think matters what I did in Colorado or what we did in Colorado. Uh, I'm not the greatest campaigner. I'm gonna have to learn how to uh, do the poetry of this. Uh, and he was aware of it. No, we're gonna, isn't this way. way sorry. Uh, and what I heard in this interview with John Favreau was a little poetry creeping in. But uh, and it, it, if he gets better at expressing himself, he's never gonna be as good as Pete Buttigieg. He's, he's just in a category of, of his own. But if, if he were to you know, noticeably increase his ability to speak smoothly and not get tangled up in uh, gotcha questions like he did about, am I a capitalist? The thing that then starts having weight is his 12 years as a mayor and a governor. And in this interview, one question I think showed uh, the power of that experience. Favreau said, you attended uh, about 50 funerals when you were governor. What did you learn about that? And Hickenlooper is sort of at his best. He didn't jump right in and say, oh, I learned to be a sensitive person or this or that. He said, uh, you know, Obama came to two of those funerals, and uh, one after a fire and one after the Aurora shooting. And his ability to console people in that setting was remarkable. And uh, he just seemed to know what to say, when to be silent. And he said, I asked him afterward, how how did you learn to do that? Is it a talent? And, and Obama said, no, it's not a talent, it's a craft. You learn how to be empathetic uh, in those situations. And, uh, but it, it I thought it was, you know, McElroy's response to that was to praise Obama and then to talk about what he learned and then talk, he talked very movingly about uh, what it was like to, one funeral was for somebody that had died in Afghanistan. And, uh, but that was an example of him being very effective in talking about something very personal, and uh, and he he is able to talk about things like the fast track uh, light rail system in Denver, which is you know a multi billion dollar project done over several years. It, I think it puts Denver at the it, as one of the best uh, mass transit systems in the country, and he can actually talk about how I did that. Pete can talk about. Some very smart things he did about putting roundabouts in South Bend, and, and some very smart uh, AI-assisted water control things that saved the city a, a lot of money. But he's he's talking about you know eight years of being mayor of a hundred thousand city. Uh, he doesn't have any of the governor experience, and if Hickenlooper can. Hickenlooper might be able to close the gap of being able to tell his message. Pete can't like automatically create another eight years of experience in which he gets to show or talk about things he actually did.
1: I suppose that's true. I, we'll just have to see. It's so important uh, people's perception and um, and who they who they like. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but
0: yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. So, uh, the, you know, the instant attraction of Pete that a lot of people feel—that's—that's uh, that's important. I mean, I, I think I think you're I think you're right about that. And sometimes Hickenlooper is able to do that, but uh, we'll just see how many people feel one way versus the other. And I'm glad they're both in it. I I, I feel grateful that I was at both of their announcements and. They're taking different tracks and, and Hickenlooper's saying, look, I'm not getting a lot of free media, but everything in its time. And I think the fact that he got had, had such a powerful interview with uh, Pod Save America, which is a big audience, is an example that by waiting and being patient and in the meantime honing his message, that's a strategy that might pay off for him. We're back home. Thank you very much. What did you get at Starbucks? And you've got extras, right?
1: Yes, because we have no food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. You're so good. That's it for this episode of Edgecast. I hope to be resuming more regular uh, conversations, mostly with Darlene. I think having Darlene on the show is, uh, I, I love hearing what she has to say. I hope you do too. And then... The overall plan for this podcast is very experimental. I, I we're certainly focused on politics at this point, but I can imagine that it becomes uh, broader in its topic area. My sister had an interesting bit of feedback when I was telling her about this the other day that uh, maybe there is kind of a form that's a memoir podcast, uh, kind of a memoir in the making, which is, I changed the description of this podcast as a result of that good feedback. Uh, Darlene was saying, well, no, it's about politics. That's what you said it was going to be. So the beauty of uh, creating a new podcast with this anchor tool, which I'm learning on my iPhone, it's, it's very robust. You can trim segments of it on the fly and you could add artwork. Uh, I'm very impressed with, with this tool and it, it just makes it so that you can Uh, create a podcast and change it as you go and eventually uh, find out perhaps on kind of a more sustainable basis what what you're talking about and then people can find it. I read somewhere uh, or I heard somewhere that if you start a podcast and you're not really sure what it's about, it's okay because there aren't many people listening. And as you, the word spreads and there's lots of ways that Anchor is spreading out uh, information about the podcast that it's hosting. Uh, By the time you have a significant number of people listening to you beyond friends and family, uh, you've probably found your voice a little bit more than when you started out. So this is definitely the starting out period. And uh, I've got uh, the idea of doing it with Darlene. I love having Darlene in conversations that we do and uh, at some point in the future i'll probably try a solo one and i'll uh, try that as well so probably a mix and definitely it will be changing over time appreciate those of you that are along for the uh, initial part of the ride thanks bye